It is good to be with you this morning. If I were to ask you a question, what do you remember, um, how would you answer it? Now, some of you might be able to uh, shout out some answers, and don't do that, though, because I know some of you are inclined to do that, but, you know, don't do it, but uh, because you can just share what's off the top of your head, but for um, uh, most of you, you'd probably be thinking that the question is too vague, right? I mean, what do you remember? like, wait a minute, where are you going with this, Craig? You would want or need some sort of parameters or context to help you uh, guide your recall of something. And uh, it's different parameters that I was thinking of. Time parameters would help you, right? So if I were to say, uh, you know, like Patrick did earlier, this morning, it's a time factor. What do you remember this morning? Or what do you remember yesterday? Or what do you remember last week? Or what do you remember last month? Or last year? Or the last decade? Or what can you recall for your entire life? Or what can you remember about anything in history? It helps give you some parameters of, of, of where you could be thinking of. How about subject parameters? What if I said, what do you remember about music? Or what do you remember about the arts? Or about sports? Or something in the scientific field? Or in politics? Or religion? Or uh, dealing with the economy? That would help you then to narrow it down, right? So you'd either focus on a time or you'd focus on a, a subject. How about proximity? If I were to ask you, what do you remember uh, in your home? What do you remember in your neighborhood, or in your city, or in your county, or in your state, or in your country, or in the world, or in the universe, right? You, you could go in all kinds of different directions on that. How about stages? If I were to give you some different parameters on the stages, whether I narrowed it or let you completely leave it open. How about, um, uh, what do you remember uh, about your childhood? or from your adolescent years, or when you were single, or married, before kids, when you knew what sleep was, right? Because once they come, <laughs> sleep is gone, at least for a long time. Um, how about after kids, empty nesters, or widows? and widowers. How about impact parameters? I'm trying to just get your mind to start thinking in, in big, big terms here. Things that were traumatic. Maybe things that, that left a physical, emotional, or mental impact on you. Traumatic things are very upsetting. They're painful. They're disturbing. Example, for me, uh, every January 1st, for the past, it'll be 41 years, I remember that that was the day my father died. Those are traumatic imprints on me. Uh, almost 29 years ago, Shirley and I lost a baby. That was incredibly painful and traumatic. 
Those are just a, a couple of examples. But also, impact parameters can also be things that bring great joy, right? Uh, how about uh, the, the day I got married? All I can remember was standing up front, staring at Shirley. I'm crying. She's not, because she's a rock. <laughs> and all I could say, I'm mouthing to her, I'm a happy camper. I am a happy camper. Don't ask me why that thought was in my head. That's all I can think about. I'm just going, man, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I am so blessed. And I, tears are streaming down, and she's just looking at me laughing like, you knucklehead, you know. I'm surprised she didn't kind of reconsider and just walk right back out before she said our I do's. Um, also, the birth of our children. That was, that was a pretty impactful day, but filled with joy. Uh, adoption day, the day when the judge told us, these boys are legally yours. That was impactful. Uh, the wedding of my kids, three of them so far, impactful. I remember those. And the birth of, of my three grandkids. Impactful. So I've, I've tried to give you um, different parameters so that when you think about what do you remember, boy, it could be all over the place, right? I mean, it can be filled. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I will. I remember the day that I surrendered my life to Christ. Now, I know that some people can't because for some people it was a process. Um, for others, uh, they did it when they were so young that they can't remember the exact day. Uh, I remember I was 18. And that was um, the most impactful event in my life. Adding even one of these parameters helps to focus and narrow um, your recall abilities. And at the end of each year, different groups put on a year in review, right? I mean, we're going to be seeing that for these next couple days, especially as we wind down the year of 2019. Uh, I, I read where one person said, I can't wait till the end of 2020 so that throughout the whole next year of 2021, I can say, hindsight is 2020. <laughs> Sorry, just threw that out there. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but uh, there's articles that recap things that were worth remembering. For those of you who are familiar with Instagram, the number one most liked IG was the world record egg. So if you're familiar with Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, in 10 days, it got over 28 million likes at the beginning of last year. For those of you who aren't familiar with Instagram, oh well, sorry. This one's just going to go fly around, right on by you. Um, to this point, it has 54 million likes. And it's a picture of an egg. That's it. And so you just kind of go, okay. I was looking at CNN, and they shared uh, some things that happened. How about, uh, do you remember the college bribery scandal? 
and I'm not going to mention uh, a few of the more famous people that were caught up in that, but uh, there were uh, quite a few people, rich parents, who were paying to get their kids into prestigious universities by having their test grades altered or by bribing um, uh, someone in the school to get their kids on a fictitious team that maybe didn't exist so they could claim that they, they had to get into that school because they were needed for that sport, which didn't exist. Uh, something else, how about the... Uh, I remember watching the burning of Notre Dame. 850-year-old cathedral in Paris, and the spire just burnt. And I remember just watching the news going, wow. It was like, man. For some of you, uh, maybe the, the birth of Prince Archie to Prince Harry and uh, to Meghan Markle. Maybe that was something that, oh yeah, I remember that, you know. Uh, we're not really too that much hip on all that goes on in England over there with the royalty because there's so much, but still, a lot of people did. I like this one. There were eight co-champions in the Scripps Spelling Bee. First time ever, eight co-champions. Do you know why? Because the people who were leading it ran out of words. These kids were so proficient that they simply ran out of words to challenge them with. So these last eight who kept answering and spelling every single word correctly, they just declared them all co-champions. That was huge. And recently, we've been dealing with uh, politics and how the House uh, voted to impeach the President of the United States. These are just some of the things I remember from this past year, but being someone who loves sports, I also remember that my beloved Rams lost the Super Bowl and they lost it horribly to the Patriots this past year. I remember that Clemson was college football's champions because I was rooting for them rooting against the other school, I'm not going to say. And um, I remember that Toronto won the, the NBA Finals and that Toronto's best player came on over to the Clippers. And now we finally have two great teams in L.A. instead of zero because the Lakers sure stunk last year. I remember that the women's soccer team won the World Cup again. Their excellence in that. And finally, I remember that my beloved Dodgers, they lost the World Series again, two years in a row. <sighs> now, if you're having a hard time remembering these things that just happened in the past year, it's okay. Everyone forgets things um, from one time or another. There's a woman, her name is Karen Bola, and she was a John Hopkins researcher. And she did research on uh, things that people most often forget. Let me see if maybe you might fit in here in one of these uh, six places. She said the number one thing, now this, this study was done uh, a little over 20 years ago, so it could change. But at that time, the number one thing that people forget are names. 83% of all the people who participated in this study said they forget names. And you know what? If all the people in that study were pastors, it would be 
okay? Because, man, it is so hard remembering people's names. So please do Pastor Roger, especially since he's only been here nine months, do him a favor, and until you hear him say your first name, please keep reintroducing yourself, right? And even to myself, there's times I'll just blank. I'll be like, hi, how's it going? That's right. Dude, <laughs> right? And I was just like, oh, man, man, my friend, that's so good to hear, right? And uh, so, listen, 83% of people uh, forget names. 60% of the people said they forget where something is. They forget where something is. Where's my wallet? Where's my car keys? Some people, you know, where's my glasses who don't wear them all the time? And for, I've seen some people, man, I can't find my glasses, and they're right here right? And you're just kind of laughing. But we all, or at least at the time, 60% of people say they forget where something is. Telephone numbers. Now, you know what? Because we have cell phones now, and we're not so dependent on remembering it, I, I can hardly remember my wife's cell phone number because I'm so used to just punching it in like her name or, hey, Siri, call Shirley Mobile. Calling Shirley Mobile, right? I mean, it doesn't even say the number or anything. But telephone numbers, words. 53% of the people say they forget words. You know when you're in the middle of a conversation and, and you're thinking of something, but you just can't think of that word that, that you're, you know you're thinking of, but it, you can't recall it. Words. 49% of the people uh, said they can't remember what was said. So that means 49% of you here aren't going to remember anything I say this morning. Right? And then 42% of the people responded and said, faces. They can't remember faces. So we've got names, uh, where things are, uh, telephone numbers, words, uh, what was said, and faces. And, you know, if I could add to the list, it would be, how about for today's world, passwords. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I'm changing my passwords all the time because I get so, so anxious that, oh, you better be changing your passwords. And then I can't remember what I changed the passwords to. And I've got this whole chain of so many different passwords. I have to keep it in my phone, and I keep a long list. I know you're saying, well, you know, there's an app for that. I know that, but still, it doesn't catch everything. And so I'm like, wow. Also, directions. And you're saying, Craig, you don't need directions anymore. Well, sometimes, it, you know, if you forget your phone <laughs> someplace and you need to get to someplace, and I'm so used to just punching it in on Waze or on Google Maps that all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, we go back to where I grew up and I lived for 38 years of my life and I'm still forgetting different directions and different ways to get there or, or what street was that on again? Ah, I, I, I can't remember that. So I'm so thankful that I can. But do you know what else people forget? It wasn't in this survey. This is just, they forget God and what he's done. When things are going good in life, people forget that God is the one in control. And that he's the one who's blessing them. And that he's the one who's providing for them. They forget that God's sovereign hand is on everything. Whether they're a believer or an unbeliever. 
And also, when, when things are going bad, people forget that God offers comfort, and He offers rest, and He offers protection, and forgiveness, and grace, and unconditional love. They forget His faithfulness, just like the Israelites did. Uh, today, we're going to look at Psalm 77. And we're going to look at the psalmist Asaph and what he wrote in that psalm. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, um, the Bible in front of you, page 577, that's where it's at. 577, for Psalm 77, uh, pretty cool. And uh, if you'll go ahead and and open that on up, or open up your phones, or open up your own Bibles, I'm going to read it. And um, there are 20 verses. So hang on. To the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of Asaph. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Had his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said in verse 10, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You know, I, I love this psalm because Asaph tells it like it is. If he's unhappy or puzzled by what God is doing or isn't doing in the lives of his people, he says so. And he also describes his own state of mind, his struggles and doubts, his questions and his inability to find satisfying answers to life's great problems. 
in this psalm, this honest poet of Israel is remembering the past, but his memories are troubling. He has a long historical memory. And you know what? If you want to read all about that, you read the very next psalm, Psalm 78. And he recalls so many things that the Lord has done. It's beautiful. And he remembers how graciously God used to deal with his people and with himself as well. He remembers how God cared for him. And he remembers how God fulfilled his promises and showed mercy. Asaph even remembered how he used to sing about God during the long hours of the night. But there's not been any mercy for a long time now when Asaph is writing this psalm. At least not as far as Asaph can see it. God seems to have rejected him both he and the people. And the rejection is so complete that it looks as though it's going to go on forever. And when Asaph compares his life in the present with the past, his memories of the past drag him down and they depress him and they keep him from being comforted. Have you ever gone through times like this? I started off preparing for uh, what I thought was going to be a message today because I know that uh, many people struggle with depression during the holidays because they think back on things that were and it is hard to accept how things are now. And I thought I was going to go in a real different direction with this uh, message And then God showed me this psalm. And so, uh, as Asaph thinks about the past, the focus of his remembering shifts from himself and what he experienced and now what he fails to experience. And then it shifts to God. And the, shifts, the shift helps him to be able to rebuild his trust and quiet confidence again. And that's what I'm hoping we're going to be able to get out of this as we, we break down this psalm. The psalm's broken down really into two parts, verses 1 through 9 and then verses 10 through 20. But there are also some breakdowns within there as well. But I just want you to know, verses 1 through 9 expresses Asaph's depression. And then verses 10 through 20, it starts to describe his journey out of his depression and back upward again. I want you to pay special attention to something in this psalm. Pay attention to the pronouns, the pronouns in this passage. Um, in my notes, uh, I, 
I, I highlighted them, you can't see it. I have the pronouns of Asaph in green, and I have the pronouns of God, or the names or titles of God in blue, and I highlighted four different times the word remember in here. And, um, you know, so if you want to uh, highlight all the times you see the pronouns that are used in here uh, of, of Asaph, I'd, in, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, in the first six verses, there are 20 occurrences of the first person singular pronoun, either I, me, or my. All have to do with Asaph. And six references to God by name, title, or pronoun. In the last eight verses, there are 21 mentions of God and not one personal pronoun of Asaph. It's pretty cool. Here's a man who's honestly sharing his heart and he's in a low place and it's all about him. And we get to see that by the end, it's all about God. In the middle six verses, verses seven through 12, it takes us through Asaph's transition of where he starts to go from it's about me to his remembrance of God and who he is and what he's done. So uh, verses 1 and 2, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. Here, Asaph starts out and he cries out for help, but he receives no comfort at this time. At this time of his writing, there is no comfort for him. He is hurting in his mind, God doesn't seem to be working in his life or the life of the nation of Israel. Can you relate to that? I can. I've had times where I've felt like, God, are you there? Like, seriously, God, are you there? Those are hard times. I'm focused more on myself. And I'm not focused on God. But God accepts that. He allows us to be honest with our emotions. He allows us to be honest with our questions. I'm so thankful for that. One commentator wrote this. If we hurt, there is nothing wrong with expressing it and telling the Lord what we feel. But we must not stop there. Rehearsing our disappointments endlessly. He says, we need to move on, as Asaph does. I've counseled many people who they can't move on because all they can do is rehearse whatever hurt has been done to them. And I'm not saying these aren't real, legitimate hurts. I'm just letting you know that they are trapped and they can't get out because they rehearse them and rehearse them and rehearse them. Their eyes are on themselves instead of 
on God and remembering what God has done in the past. Verses three through six, Asaph writes, when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints, Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Asaph is telling the reader, us, the readers, why he moans and his spirit faints and he cannot speak. It's found in verses five and six. It's because of the memories of former days when he was happy enough in God to sing songs in the night. See, here's something that's really hard. He remembers the great days. He remembers God's protection and leading and provision. And because he can remember those, believe it or not, that's what's making him depressed. Because he's not experiencing that now. And neither is the nation of Israel. Some people say it might have been better that he never experienced that before. I don't agree with that. But I can understand how you can experience something so powerful and so great and then you're in a dry season, you're in the desert, and you're like, but, but God, I remember when you were right here with me. He still is. We just don't feel it. We don't sense it. We don't re- realize it. We don't remember that truth. And so we go, wow. An important word here is the word remember. Here Asaph remembers his former happiness. And later in verse 11, he remembers the mighty deeds of God. Verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. This is a significant shift in Asaph's focus but I want to stay next, verses seven and nine. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Right here, Asaph asks six rhetorical questions. They're negative in form. Because they're asking if God has forgotten. Now, I wish we could spend more time on this. But I really want to focus on these upcoming verses. Verse 10, 11 and 12. Then I said, I will appeal to this. To the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will, yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. You know, let's just kind of like take a break for a second. Um, these past couple of years, um, 
have been pretty hard here. Uh, don't try to hide anything. It could have been easy to uh, get depressed or to leave or become bitter or frustrated or discouraged. I'm not just talking about myself here. I'm talking about you. And uh, we had staff that left. We had some longtime members that left. We've had people who've passed away. We've had times where the morale was pretty low. Giving slowed down. We were, we were without a senior pastor for 15 months. And you know what? I was tired. I was tired. And so was the elder board. And so were a lot of you. Many of you. But I want you to know something. Uh, your elders knew that God was not finished with Foothills Church. They remembered what the Lord had done in the past and they kept their focus on him. And uh, I am so thankful to be a part of godly men who don't quit or give up and who look for God's best and not their own. Verses 13 through 15. Your way, O God, O God is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. Your elders focused on God very similarly to how Asaph did in these verses. Asaph focused on three attributes right here of God that I think are great for us to remember as well. One, first part of verse 13, God is holy. God is holy. Never forget that. And, and in our brokenness and in our sin, God makes us holy. Not by anything we have done or can possibly do. It's all and only because of what Jesus has done. We also see here that God is great. What God is great like our God? Do you see how Asaph has been transitioning? It's away from him and he's focusing. I'm going to remember. Wait, I'm going to go back and I'm going to start to recall. And he starts listen, listing. What God is great like our God? None, because no other God exists. But people still think that there's some other gods out there. And by stating this, Asaph is just like, Psh, yeah, no, there's none. And then lastly, 
verse 15. You with your arm redeemed your people. God is our redeemer. He's our redeemer. We can't forget this. No matter what circumstances we're in, he's our redeemer. In these last four verses, we also see one other attribute of God. Verses 16 through, through 20. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. Understand this. He's recalling how God led them out of the exodus. How God was right there in their midst. He's recalling all the mighty great things that God had done for them. And it's bringing him strength again. It's reviving him again. He's no longer looking down at his problems. He's looking up to the one who solves all problems. He goes on. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters Yet your footprints were unseen. God, you were with us, leading us every single step of the way, even though you had no footprints. And then he says, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Verse 20, it reminds us that he is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. What it says is that uh, the God who acted in mighty ways in the past to redeem his people also acts in calm, tender, and loving ways to shepherd his flock, to care for his lambs. Things that I remember um, from our church this past year the Lord brought us our senior pastor, Roger Horning, and his family nine months ago. Our church saturated the entire city of Rancho Santa Margarita with the Jesus film and invitations to come and be a part of our church family. I was personally privileged to be able to walk with three people on their faith journey and I, I got to be involved at the point where they made individual decisions to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. I remember Johnny Mero's memorial service. And how powerful that was and how impactful that was. I remember Sharon Gassaway's memorial service and the lives that she touched. And my friend Mike Gassaway. Missing her. I remember others within our body who have lost loved ones 
You know, I also remember VBS. And I remember how around 100 kids were running around this place for a week. And I remember uh, all the volunteers that served all week selflessly so that kids could hear the truth of Jesus Christ and experience his love for them. This past year, new families have come and started coming and are looking at making this their new church family home. It's exciting. God's at work here. He's the redeemer and the shepherd of this flock. And he sent his son Jesus to prove it. So I ask you, what do you remember? No matter what you think of, I just want to encourage you, don't forget about the Lord. Don't forget about what he's done and what he promises he will continue to do. The promise we have that Jesus is returning. Because I want to tell you something. He will never, ever forget about you. Let's pray. <sighs> Father God, I thank you so much for this psalm that Asaph wrote. And Lord, how it helps us to take the attention and focus off of ourselves and back where it belongs to you how we can be challenged of how to recall the great things you have done throughout this world's history to redeem a people to yourself so that none would be lost. Lord, at this time, may we still, as we think about things that flood our memories, I pray that we remember you and the greatest gift that you ever gave Jesus. And just because that day of celebration is passed on Christmas, Lord, it is Christmas every single day because of how you have blessed us, how you continue to prove yourself over and over again. And God, would you forgive us when we forget, when we don't turn to you. Father, we are so grateful that you never forget us. We just pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.